This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Skin Assessment and Wound Prevention by Mary Jean Manning. Introduction. Hello, my name is Mary Jean Manning. I'm a clinical nurse specialist in the Medical Surgical ICU at Children's Hospital Boston. In this module, I will be discussing skin assessment and prevention of skin breakdown in the pediatric critically ill child. Skin function. The skin is the largest organ in the body. Yet oftentimes, we overlook the importance of keeping it healthy and intact. And critically ill children are especially at risk for skin breakdown and alterations in the integrity of the skin. The functions of the skin are important to mention. In terms of maintaining overall homeostasis, they provide a protective barrier against chemical, mechanical, and thermal stress, as well as infection and bacteria and viral organisms. They protect against UV rays from the sun and dehydration. It also provides thermoregulation through the adipose tissue that provides insulation to the patient. Sweat glands also allow for heat loss via the production of sweat. Sensations are communicated to the central nervous system via nerves in the skin. And the metabolic function that's important is the synthesis of vitamin D. Assessment. In overall assessment of the patient, you want to first provide proper light so that you have good access to all areas of the skin, no shadows, and you can see any discoloration that has been occurring. What you would assess is the perfusion, the color and temperature of the skin, any rashes or sores would be important to note. If there are any, any odor or drainage coming from those sores, you also want to note bruising, the presence of pain, and any changes in these. For example, increase in pain in a certain area, uh, increased redness that may not have been there the day or shift before. We ask that you pay special attention to skin over pressure points. And these will show you where you are, patients are at highest risk if pressure is on those areas for extended periods of time. There are multiple tools available to assess the risk of a patient for skin breakdown. Here at Children's Hospital Boston, we use a particular tool called the Braden Q scoring system. There are other tools available to you via the internet, and we suggest that you find the one that is right for your patient population. What you assess is not only your pressure points, which we will show you in a moment, but the mobility of the patient, the activity of the patient. Are they mobile? Can they get out of bed? Can they move themselves around? All these are questions that are very important to ask. The nutritional status of the patient is very important for wound prevention and wound healing. Moisture is another area to assess. Friction and shear is also important. We'll talk about all of these things as we talk about our preventative measures as well. Sensory perception is important. 
we need to know if the patient is experiencing pain in a certain area because sometimes that's the first sign or symptom that there is going to be some skin breakdown. Tissue perfusion and oxygenation is very important and often in critically ill children these are altered and can set them up for skin breakdown. An immune compromise is another risk factor that critically ill patients have. Other possibilities that put the patient at risk in the ICU are the medical devices that we use to monitor the patient. For example, the oxygen saturation probe. We recommend that this be removed and moved to a different site at least every eight hours to prevent skin breakdown underneath. Another device would be a blood pressure cuff. That should also be removed periodically and the skin underneath it assessed. Other medical devices that may block your view of the skin include casts, braces, helmets, and non-invasive ventilation. For each of these, the skin that you can visualize should be assessed. If you cannot remove the device, you must be able to assess the patient's pain or if there are any other signs and symptoms that there might be skin breakdown. Non-invasive ventilation presents a very challenging risk as well. It's being used much more often in our institution and we recommend that if possible the non-invasive mask be removed from the face at least once every six hours so that the skin may be assessed. There are several different products that can be used to guard the skin and protect it from the device. We recommend that the face be covered with a product such as a hydrocolloid dressing or silicone foam dressing. And the areas that are most important to be covered would be the bridge of the nose, the cheeks, the chin, and the forehead. It really depends on the device itself and where the pressure is for that particular patient. Positioning. To prevent any of our, any skin breakdown, other things that we may have to do are positioning to avoid pressure on bony prominences. Chair fast patients or patients that may be able to move themselves to some extent require assistance with repositioning at least every two hours. If the patient is sitting in a chair, say a wheelchair, they should be asked to change their position every few minutes. Just a slight change in position in order to take pressure off any bony prominences and to equalize the pressure on either side. We do not use and don't recommend the use of donut type padding as this may cause pressure rather than relieve pressure. For patients that are bed fast and cannot move themselves, it is even more critical that we reposition them every two hours. And I will demonstrate that in a few moments. We use pillows to cushion bony prominences and support body parts. We keep the bony prominences or bony points from direct contact. For example, as you can see, we have noted bony prominences or pressure points here on the inner knee. When a patient is side lying, we will put pillows in that area so that the knee bones are not rubbing against one another and putting pressure on both sides. So you keep the knees and ankles directly from touching one another. When placing a patient on his side, we like to avoid any direct pressure on the hip bone. In babies especially, the head is extremely heavy and we need to support the head while preventing any breakdown. 
the occipital area is one area that is at high risk. There are several different things to use. Pillows will provide adequate cushion, but we also use a gel device. And these are available, you can look them up as resources on the internet. But whatever you have available to you that can cushion the area is the best choice. The other suggestion is as we reposition the patient that we not drag them across the bed. For instance, like this. We're causing shear underneath. So we ask that people lift the patient completely off the bed in order to move them. You may need other assistance to help you in order to lift bigger and heavier patients. I'm going to reposition this patient to move the pressure off the bony prominences that we've pointed out. One of the most important things for us is to have the heels off the end of the bed. So whatever you have at your disposal to use that's a soft device to lift the heels off the end of the bed is adequate. Other prominences that you would want to cushion are the elbows and wrists. And here I'm just using blankets, nice soft um, receiving blankets. And either a pillow or a gel pillow under the head. When we turn the patient, we can see there are other pressure areas on the coccyx, even along the spine and on the scapula. Those two need to be considered when we are moving the patient and taking pressure off those points. We, depending on the acuity of the child, will turn them side to side or just even what we call list them, which is a slight turn. Any change in pressure off those bony points is very, very important. So even if we can't turn them a big degree, a small degree of turning every two hours is critical to keep the skin intact. Bathing. In terms of caring for the skin, bathing the patient on a daily basis or as needed is adequate. Using a mild soap is the proper way. It does not dry the skin. We recommend drying the skin by patting it dry with a soft cloth, not scrubbing. Be sure to check with your institution's policy on bathing your patient, as some hospitals regard using wash basins as an infection risk. Prepackaged bath cloths are an alternative way to bathe your patient. In terms of patients that are incontinent or wear diapers, you want to gently, gently cleanse the soiled area with each soiling. And we attempt not to have them in the dirty diaper for long lengths of time. If a patient is having diarrhea, which often happens when we start patients on antibiotics or other medications, we want to protect the perineal area. We will use, after cleansing the area, a film barrier or ointment with a barrier ingredient such as dimethicone or zinc. Nutrition. Nutrition. I mentioned that nutrition is a risk factor for these patients. Many of them haven't been eating because they don't feel well prior to coming to the critical care unit or have a chronic disease that causes malnutrition. It's very important to weigh the patients at least once per week and babies we suggest twice per week. Weight, length, and height are important anthropometric measurements to obtain not only at admission to the PICU but also 
serial follow-up checks during their ICU course. With optimal resources to help ensure measurements are accurate, they can help better define a patient's nutritional status, as both a weight and length or height allows for a patient's BMI to be calculated. And we are currently using the weight for a height Z-score or BMI Z-score to define a patient's nutritional status at Boston Children's Hospital. Without a BMI, an important initial way to screen for malnutrition is not available. We encourage foods high in protein, and that may require a feeding tube for the patient. If the patient is able to eat, we offer small frequent meals, especially if they have a poor appetite. Maintain good hydration. This keeps the skin supple. It also dilutes the urine, which reduces irritation to the skin and the bladder. We hope that this segment on skin assessment and prevention of wounds has offered you practical suggestions to care for your patients in your critical care area. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.